The Future Sport Podcast is brought to you by 3Advance, developers of sports tech apps that are AI-powered and UX-focused. So if you're looking to create some apps for your startup or your sports biz calls for some artificial or business intelligence, you should check out 3Advance. They're incredible. Go to 3Advance.com. That's the number 3Advance.com. Empire. The time for esports have officially come. Well, Super League has always been about taking that connection um, a level deeper. Um, we want it to be about local gaming. You know, we want it to be about ways that you can get other kids in your neighborhood or on your college campus to game with you. That's Ann Hand, chairman and CEO of the Super League. And if you thought esports was huge before, wait until it gets its new traction now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. And Hand thinks of esports like parrots of a previous generation thought about Little League. And, well, there is no Little League right now. So we're going to spend the bulk of this show on esports, the opportunity presented with kids and adults alike on lockdown and traditional sports that we watch and play on hiatus in perpetuity. Austin Smith, co-founder of Mission Control, was already converting traditional leagues into gaming centers, and he'll talk about the here, now, and not-too-distant future. But let's start with us oldies, who are still trying to figure out how to, quote, fill the time, because that future is now. So, at the time of this taping, there are very few live sports to watch. What are we going to do? How are we going to cope? Let's figure it out with Steve Gardner from USA Today. Hey, Steve, how are you? I'm doing okay, Bram. How are you? Uh, listen, I'm, I'm in this, I get a lot of these questions. How are you going to fill the time? How are you going to fill the space? Um, I'll ask you from your perspective of covering this for USA Today, without sports, what are you doing? Well, uh, doing a little bit of uh, sports business and sports media stuff. We're looking a lot more at, you know, what the uh, the networks are doing, some of the classic games that are on. I mean, that's for some people, that helps fill the void a little bit. Um, for some, it's, you know, it's simulation uh, sports. It's playing Stratomatic or, uh, or other baseball board games, things like that. So uh, there, there are a lot of things right now that we're using. I just worry that, uh, you know, in a couple of weeks or maybe months, if this thing drags on, um, what will we do then? So uh, some of the networks here locally in Washington, you and I are both in the Washington area, Monumental Sports Network and NBC Sports Washington tried some simulated games with the Wizards and the Capitals to play out the season um, on their schedule. And I saw NASCAR did a very cool iRacing series and the real drivers were taking part in a simulated race and they did a full broadcast around it. Um, have you gotten any sense of what the general reaction or appetite is for esports or simulated games taking the place of the real games for now? Well, I'll tell you what, it was really active. Social media was really active um, for those NASCAR fans that are missing their NASCAR racing. I was watching the uh, the simulation. It was, you know, to me, who's, who not, who's not really into the iRacing and, and all of that, it was fascinating because the details were 
down to the pixel. I mean, you could, you would think you were at Homestead Speedway. Their billboards were all there that, that are normally there. The cars looked like normal NASCAR racing cars. So uh, I think that at least for the inaugural one, that FS1 broadcast, I think there was an awful lot of buy-in from people just because they missed the sport so much. And the fact that they actually had you know, real NASCAR drivers and even you know Dale Earnhardt Jr., who's retired but got back into the virtual car to uh, give his fans a little bit of a, uh, a jolt of excitement. So I think, to me, it, it seemed like the reaction to that was tremendous. And the fact that I think the, the drawing card for that was the fact that Denny Hamlin was actually driving his virtual car. I can see, you know, at the, uh, the 2K NBA game, for instance, um, you may not have John Wall or Bradley Beal or somebody like that shooting the jump shots, but you actually had the NASCAR drivers there doing all the moves and, and passing and, and all that sort of stuff. So yeah. I think that was what was the draw. Yeah, I'll give them this. Listen, they're trying to be creative here. They have a lot of time to fill as well. There's there's all these holes in their windows. They're trying to feed the sports fan the best that they can. Um, this podcast obviously is dedicated to sports and technology, and we talk a lot about the business of sports. And since you're kind of following that now, I do wonder, as you've kind of talked to people throughout the industry, Who's taking advantage of this time? I mean, there's got to be some opportunities that are out there because of the void in live sporting events. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a great point. Um, I don't really get a sense that anybody is is leveraging it. Um, obviously, the big networks that have this treasure trove of, of recorded games that they can trot out, you know, CBS Sports Network playing all of these classic NCAA tournament games. Um, I, I don't think I would be looking at CBS Sports Network, even though you know I'm in sports media myself. I don't think I would be tuning to them, for instance, you know, in mid-afternoon on a weekday. But uh, I think I will. You know, they're showing the um, the Virginia Elite Eight game that they had against uh, Purdue later on uh, in the day, and so like, wow, I remember that game. That was a thrilling game. I, I'll watch that. So I think they may have a, a little bit of an advantage there. Um, but beyond that, it's it's hard to say who's really able to do that. I, I mean, because the studio shows, the debate shows, um, talk shows don't have their full arsenal because they don't have everybody in the same room together. You know from being you know, in, in broadcast media for, for a long time, the chemistry, the broadcast partner um, being in the same studio is huge. And uh, it's hard to recreate that when – you're on one screen in, in one location and somebody else is on another screen in another location. Yeah, tell me about it. I mean, it's just, this has been unusual, but, you know, there is opportunity here to reset, be creative, and think about things. And I know we're, as at the time that we're taping this, this is very early in this process. Everything's really only been shut down for about a week now. I am interested to see how the networks, the leagues, all the burgeoning type of leagues like esports try to attack this if this is going to go on for an extended period of time, because there is opportunity here in front of them. Yeah, and I think we'll, we'll see, you know, as the Major League Baseball season is set to, you know, would have been set to start this week. Um, as we're taping, I, I, I think you know, there's there's that feeling of okay, now we're really you know, we're missing something from another sport. Um, and I think one of the things I see that Stratomatic is going to um, simulate day by day as the baseball season goes on, 
starting on opening day. So they're going to simulate all 15 games that would have been played as, as baseball started its season and, you know, release those all at once. And you can see box scores. And I think that's, if nothing else for baseball fans, just to see, oh, wow, you know, the uh, the Nationals would have had Max Scherzer on the mound for opening day. And, and oh, look, he threw a three-hit shutout. And uh, how about that? Uh, the, the, the defense of the title is off to a great start. I think, you know, the day-to-day thing, I think that's what I miss the most yeah. is that we measure our days a lot of times about, you know, what's happening in sports. And, you know, there are games – on you know on the weekends a weekend series for baseball or you know football games if we get to that part you know you know that Saturday is college football and the NFL is Sunday and Monday and all that sort of stuff and we kind of build our weeks uh, along with that with with fantasy sports as well we build the weeks based on you know when it, when the week starts and and what games are being played so that's I think uh, one of the biggest adjustments for for sports fans is not having that and not knowing what day it is. Yeah, I think it's going to be a major, whenever one of the leagues comes forward and says, even if they start playing without fans there, whenever they say they're going to do that, it's going to be a big mood adjustment for the rest of the nation, just to, just to know that it's coming back, and it's something that's familiar, and it's part of your life, and when it starts to come back, I think it's going to make a, a major difference in the general overall panic and attitude um, of the country. Yeah, I think you know the NFL is kind of carrying things with, with free agency uh, being an active thing that's going on that you don't need people in a stadium to take care of. So that's kind of feeding us for a little bit, but um, you know, how, how much longer can, you know, can we wait? And, you know, they're not going to be Tom Brady signing a yeah. contract with somebody new every day. So don't know how long that's going to last. Well, if he, you know, if he could demand a trade, it would make our lives a lot, a lot easier for the next couple of weeks. <laughs> Steve so Gardner. Play for all teams. <laughs> yeah, please trade everybody. Uh, Steve Gardner from USA Today. Thanks so much for joining us, Steve. Thank you, Bram. Up next, Ann Hand, CEO of the Super League on gaming going to everyone's forefront. This is the Future Sport Podcast. So everybody is shut down and on lockdown, and if listening to health officials staying away from one another, is the perfect time to play some games if you are so inclined, which brings us to our guest, Chairman and CEO Ann Hand of the Super League, which is a platform that uh, leads video gamers in a community and content where you can play, you can connect, you can be friends, you can test your skill. Hey, Ann, how are you? Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, you know, like I, I hate phrasing it this way to start this, but there is an opportunity here, you know, for people in this space because it allows you to be social, to, to use social distancing. Um, how do you kind of view the opportunity that was presented to people like the Super League um, to expose what they have to people who are looking for distractions? Yeah, no, it's a good point. And you're right. In the midst of all the dire circumstances, um, gaming really is a way that people can stay connected with their friends. You know, gaming itself is already very different than when I was a kid going to the arcade. You know, my socialness there was around the game. But when I was playing, I was playing against the machine. Gaming has changed so much. And so there's a lot of community and chat built into games. 
with Super League has always been about taking that connection um, a level deeper. Um, we want it to be about local gaming. You know, we want it to be about ways that you can get other kids in your neighborhood or on your college campus to game with you. Um, because we know that the more you know the people in real life that you game with, um, just the gaming's more fun, it's better, there's no risk of toxicity in gaming. And so I say all that as a foundation for where we are today. Um, in many ways, gaming is not only the preferred form of entertainment for Gen Z and millennials, it's bigger than TV, it's three times the size of the, the film box office globally. Um, but now in a, a world of, of coronavirus, it is becoming um, really one of the stickiest ways that young people can still feel like they're having a, an opportunity to be social while being at home and to try to be a counterpunch to what could right now feel like a lot of desocialization, isolation. Um, so we're very fortunate that we have a bit of a recession resilient business model and have been able to see a pretty significant increase of engagement over the last two weeks. Yeah, I'm in the same one podcasting. I can do it anywhere. So, right. we, I, I, you know, it, it kind of still business keeps moving along here. So for some that are fortunate like this, there is that possibility. Um, let yeah. me ask, let me ask the one big question just from a parent's point of view, which is there's going to be a lot of kids. They are going to be home a lot. I am sure you hear this all the time about from parents who say how much time will they be in front of a screen or playing um what do you say back to parents now um where they have a ton of time on their hands and a ton of time to fill yeah i mean it's the same thing i really said to them four or five years ago when we we started super league and to brand partners and investors as well um we are in many ways this notion of creating positive um game connections um, wrapping kind of the spirit of Little League or a recreational league around gaming is in many ways an antidote to screen time. Um, this is a way for your kids to participate in a gaming experience, but do so in a way that also introduces them to new friends, teaches them about teamwork and collaboration. Um, and so often when I'm talking to parents, they say, gosh, if, if my son or daughter is going to spend time gaming, this is the way I want them to game because they're learning about a lot of other um, important things that they can apply to other aspects of their life. The beautiful thing for us, especially around our youth product, the Mindhut is a 24-7 gaming portal. Um, parents love it because they can go to Mindhut and they can set up a private server for their son or daughter. And what that means is, is that you, you can set up a server or a private room and your kids can invite specifically their friends to join them and game with them. And they're the people you know and trust for them to game with. And so it's considered a safer way to game um, for parents because, you know, again, you're not just being on some random website and playing a game and having really no idea who else is in that game with your child. This is where you can personally invite your, your known kind of friends. Um, it also has a social aspect to it. So it's kind of like Facebook meets a fun Minecraft gameplay form. The other beautiful thing about it is because it's, it's built around Minecraft. Minecraft is really probably the most beloved game by educators and parents. And the reason is, is because it is really based on the fundamentals of STEM learning. And so when your son or daughter is playing Minecraft, they're learning about um, the basics of coding. They're learning about 3D modeling. Um, three of the four Girl Scout badges you can earn for STEM learning relate specifically to things that Minecraft has fundamentals in. 
And so there's a reason that there's also Minecraft uh, EDU versions because increasingly teachers are using the classroom. It's a lot more fun way to learn about speedometry um, instead of reading about it in a book to inside a game actually learn how to uh, get a car to be able to um, make a cool jump, um, you know, over an obstacle. And so we're fortunate that that kind of better, safer way to game that's always been kind of the core principle of the company. MindHut is, is a real offering we have for parents and kids that really embodies all of that promise. Let's talk about trends for a minute. Um, you mentioned Minecraft, an extraordinarily popular game. Um, we follow in the competitive leagues, things like League of Legends and the Overwatch League and that type of thing. Um, what are you seeing out there that, that maybe the gamers are starting to lean towards that isn't quite of that realm yet, but getting there? Yeah, so you've got these kind of um, crown jewel games um, for the professional esports player. So we mentioned League of Legends and Overwatch. Um, you know, League of Legends as well is an exceptional game to have your teenager play. It's kind of like uh, the best version of of the complexities and of uh, um, and thinking power you get at chess. It has deep layers of strategy and critical thinking. And so there's all different genres of games that can really um, developmentally uh, do a lot for your, your son or daughter. But what we're seeing right now with those games is that the people who are exceptionally good at those games, the amateurs that Super League is here to service, um, you know, right now when they're at home alone and, and even pre-coronavirus, um, there's only there's only so many ways they can play that game. They can just kind of keep jumping into queues or partnering up and, and playing with friends. But there's not a lot of new constructs to play that game in a different way. And it really is no different, I often say, than, you know, I play tennis as a kid. You know, I went to tennis camp. I took tennis lessons. At some point, I wanted a different experience. I wanted to join a team. And so that's the beauty of starting to um, offer mainstream or recreational esports is it's allowing uh, for these people who are playing these more advanced games a chance to finally compete and kind of like their moment in the pros and so super league offers a lot of online tournament structures that enable those people who are in right now spending more time at home and more time gaming to um, test their skills in different ways and, and get their talents noticed. Um, let me go back to a couple of things that you talked about, which is, you know, it, it does have this kind of feel of Little League, so it is attractive to a younger audience. Uh, the games clearly, for people my age, are very different now than they were when I was playing as a young person. Um, and then there's the safety issue. Can, can you kind of go through the tech and how you see um, – ensuring the safety of the people who are playing as they connect virtually with one another. So, yes, absolutely. When you talk about um, both our youth product, uh, Minecraft, which is more skewed at that kind of 8 to 14-year-old, or our older products, which things like League of Legends, PUBG Mobile, Clash Royale, um, CSGO, those tournaments are, are more in that 16 to, to 28-year-old category. In both cases, we have uh, a couple ways that we really ensure a um, good sportsmanship and a, a safe culture. We obviously monitor um, chat and we've built in a lot of functionality. But first and foremost, we establish a pretty strict um, code of conduct. And I think it is a place where Super League has really um, differentiated itself is that uh, we really enforce that code of conduct. Um, so we haven't been afraid to ban players. 
um, the moment that those codes are um, are tripped. And um, it's important too that what's happened over time is that then the community itself starts to self-regulate. So once those those um, those people are made an example of, we start to find the community say, hey, you know, this might not be a place for you, player A or B, because you know, you want to play this game in a different way. You know, maybe you want to cheat or maybe you just want to chat in a way that is negative um, to the other players. And so um, I'm, I'm pretty proud of, you know, you can't eliminate all of that. But we have pretty um, active um, monitoring systems and we move very swiftly um, when we see anything that um, kind of violates that code of conduct sportsmanship uh, requirement that we have. Um, you had mentioned, and we've been following this too, that there are teams on college campuses and now conferences are talking about putting together competitions. Um, wh- where do you see that going, the level of potential scholarship gamers at campuses around the country? Yeah, I mean, right now you've already got these active college clubs, right? And they're everything just like in regular Division One, you know, sports. You've got your your division one team but then you know you also have everything down to intramurals for the more casual player of that sport happening on that college campus um so right now at the at the kind of the top tier of those uh those esports college teams um you know because those are kind of the top five or ten most elite players on each of those campuses they can continue, you know, like Riot Games running that for their League of Legends esports teams. They continue, you know, from the comfort of their home to be able to run those competitions. So it's beautiful that it can easily switch to something that is at home and online. Where Super League um, technology offers an additional solution is really around what's happening for those, those IM teams, those, you know, intramural or more casual gamers that instead of it being five or 10 players, say on the campus of UCLA or Ohio State University, is actually a few hundred people who love to play League of Legends inside each of those campuses. And what we can do is start to offer um, a solution for them to stay connected. Because the way they were staying connected before is they were walking over to the local computer or land center um, or maybe hanging out in a dorm room together. We can actually run competitions and leagues to keep them connected from from their homes as well. We've already had um, a, several uh, traditional even sports leagues reach out to us. So everything from um, a professional sports league that's saying, "Hey, you know, we may not be having our season of um, basketball this year or baseball." But a lot of our players are gamers, too. Maybe there's something neat we can do to help them connect to all their fans who happen to be gamers. Everything down to we've had youth sports leagues, again, a youth sports um, soccer league, say, um, that have reached out and said, I still want to keep my kids connected and gaming may be the one way I can do that if they can't get out on the soccer field. So we're pretty excited about the um the range of applications right now, we can use our technology to keep people um, socially together in and around the game than the one they had planned to play this season, but it's still connectedness and teamwork. All right, I'll leave you with this. Um, and this is a vague question, but you know, with all the tech changing through the years, five, 10 years from now, um, how do you envision gaming? Is it more immersive? How, how are people connecting? How are they playing the games? 
Yeah, I think that the difference will be that the infrastructure that Super League and others offer will really have established it no different than the ranges that you see from, call it a sport like basketball. You can drive down the road on any given day, usually pre-coronavirus, and you can see a pickup basketball game. Uh, You can see uh, local leagues at gyms all the way through to uh, a great college, you know, match all the way up to the the most elite, you know, professionals in the NBA. And right now, when you look at esports, you know, the infrastructure is just getting laid out at the professional level through the development of of teams that have been around for some time, but now the the leagues wrapped around them. Um, And, you know, what we've always been about is starting to lay out the infrastructure for everyone below those elite levels. Um, so we're really about, there's two and a half billion gamers on the planet. 50% of them identify as competitive and they want their own ways to participate um, around the games that they love. And so for us, it's about creating leagues and playing fields for you to jump in, whether you're at home or you're physically together and to get a different kind of uh, competitive experience around that game. Anne Hand is the chairman and CEO of Super League. Thank you. Be well, be safe. Thanks for joining us, Anne. Thank you. You too. Up next, Austin Smith, co-founder of Mission Control, which focuses on giving leagues everywhere a home to compete. This is the Future Sport Podcast. Future Sport Podcast is brought to you by 3 Advance. So let's take a moment to thank our friends at 3 Advance. These guys are ranked one of the nation's top app developers. Their user experience and cloud expertise has helped grow a bunch of sports tech startups, including Team Builder, T-Box Tour, and In-Game Fantasy. So if you're looking for a development partner to bring your future sport tech to life, look these guys up. Go to 3advance.com. They're the team to make it happen, and advance you will. That's the number 3advance.com, and tell them Future Sport sent you. So we're all stuck inside, and that means there is some opportunities. If you aren't, has gotten full on in esports. Here's your opportunity to learn all about it. And let's welcome in our guest, Austin Smith, who's the co-founder of Mission Control, which is a platform that allows workplaces, community centers, and college clubs to conduct their own esports leagues. Hey, Austin, how are you? Thanks for joining us. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Uh, let's start with what Mission Control is and does. Sure, sure. So Mission Control is a B2B SaaS platform for rec league esports. Essentially, it's not too far off any other league management platform. It just focuses on conducting esports leagues or video game leagues rather than your typical uh, basketball or kickball league. So in, what we do is essentially help uh, interim organizations or HR departments or other rec departments uh, host Fortnite leagues and FIFA leagues, um, just like they might host, you know, a rec basketball league or a beer league, softball league, or something like that over over a summer. So we do the same thing. You can now play FIFA 
as your uh, Tuesday night activity with a friend. So, uh, listen, I hate using the word opportunity here because this is an outbreak and it's pandemic and it's horrible what's going on. But but there, I don't know any other word to use other than there is an opportunity if with some exposure to show people who are looking for entertainment and looking for things to do. Um, there's this opportunity that exists. Can can you kind of take us through how you've seen um, esports and growth um, in the midst of this very unusual outbreak? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, it goes beyond opportunity and, you know, thing for us or for anybody else in esports. There's, there's a need right now and for something specifically that we focus on in that community. You know, part of this, you know, social distancing, part of all of this is that we can't be around each other. And quite frankly, people need each other the most. This is a tough time. This is a scary time um, for the pandemic, for the economy, for all of these things. And we need each other. And uh, the only way we can organize right now is, is digitally. And the thing about esports, even though there are a lot of correlation between traditional, there are a lot of correlations between traditional sports and um, and esports. Uh, one thing that esports could do that traditional can't is be digital, and it can facilitate this community digitally. So, one of the things that we see, one of the services that we can bring in this tough time for everybody and scary time for everybody, is the idea that hey. You can use esports as something uh, to, to gather around. You can use esports as your means for community instead. Um, so let's just say here I am. I'm not. I'm not a league. I'm not a campus. But I'm looking for something to do. I've got enthusiasts. We want to play a certain game together. Can I work with you? How do I work with you? Well, absolutely. So we primarily serve organizations. Point, and that means working with community organizations that host rec leagues. So that might be an HR department, but so you can to uh, you can bring our services, Mission Control, to uh, your HR department and say, "Hey, while we're all working from home, here's a way for us to be together." You could also say, uh, "Check out your local, um, you know, sports uh, sports leagues." So there's a whole bunch of adult rec league groups that work with us through the SSIA. Um, there's also, um, a couple of brands and, uh, parks and rec departments that work for us. So there's a lot of, there's a good possibility, especially if you're in an area like Dallas or Tulsa or St. Louis, um, you might already have a community group organizing esport rec leagues in your area. All you have to do is download mission control and find them. Um, you're probably following this very closely, which is the trends of the games of what people want to play. Um, I know it's very early at the time that we're taping this in everyone really being locked down, locked down. Um, are you seeing changing tastes or changing trends by the fact that there are people that may not have done a lot of esports but are looking into it now? I can't see it perfectly from my perspective um i the angle that we take in general there's 103 million individuals in the united states who play video games uh, together so those are the people who are playing video games as a multiplayer experience you know an average of eight hours a week this is a you know a large group of people and what i think is really happening more than anything is a lot of those people who are already generally comfortable with casual video gaming are just having more time to play, having yeah. more time to jump into it, and potentially are just getting more intense about some of the new games that are just out. I don't see the too many trends about which game people care about more other than the typical you know ups and downs of different games. You know, everybody loves Warzone right now. I'm one of those people. Um, there's a lot of people who always play Rocket League, and those people are just playing Rocket League more. There's a lot of people who always play Fortnite, and there's people are playing Fortnite more. And I think 
um, more than anything, um, as with the cultural trend to generally, that's generally been moving towards acceptance of video gaming and video gaming with others. And um, just over the past couple of years, I think this is just one more, you know, part of that cultural trend towards the significance of video gaming as a community activity, digitally or in person, um, in the, that we've seen in the last couple of years. Um, I think that it's, it's more of a quantity yeah. Uh, how many people are doing it um, rather than, you know, anything else. Let's talk about the tech on your end for a moment. Um, what is important for you from a tech perspective of organizing these leagues? What do the users, the leagues, these departments want from you? What you have out there around esports and what you've had for a while is a lot of professional play. Um, you have a lot of professional and amateur play. You have varsity play. Um, you have things that are incredibly competitive and rightfully so there's a lot of excitement around the competitive of esports there's a lot of people who are really good at different games um and what those groups serve is a medium for excellence um for excellence in esports for excellence in gaming uh they focus on the competitive experience what we've turned around and focused on is the community experience and that's because i grew up playing video games with my brother with my friends it's just a way to hang out I'm not very good. I don't really care to be good. I, I play um, as a way to spend time with others, as a way to spend time with my brother, for example. And uh, I know that there's a lot of other people out there like me who don't really care about the competitive aspect, um, should totally be there and exist and expand. Um, but there's a large part, uh, you know, group of people out there who just care about the recreational aspect. And that's where we focus on the tech, on the focus on the tech side to create a very focused community experience that's delivering the amenity of a social experience. And, and more so than, hey, you can win $100,000. No, hey, maybe you might, might win a t-shirt, but what you're really doing is getting the schedule of every Tuesday night to spend time with your friends, doing yeah. something you, you find entertaining like Warzone. Um, and, and it's not much crazier than that. You know, the tech is focused on a community experience. It's focused on... Uh, group chats and sending gifts and, you know, maybe ribbing people a little bit about, you know, getting them on a headshot in Warzone or whatever it might have been. Um, that's, that's where the focus is. Um, and not so much on seeing who can win first place. Yeah. I mean, listen, that's my experience with it. And clearly with very different video game, I'm older than you, very different video games and the technology there, but it was a casual experience. It was a way for us just to get together and have fun with one another. And there was no money on the line and it was, it was trash talking. It had nothing more than, you know, nothing more than, than that. Um, do you think as this, as this industry has kind of exploded here in interest, um, that, that part of it was forgotten, that the focus went too far on the professional aspect of it and less away from actually this is just something a lot of people want to do and not unlike backyard basketball games, 99.9% .9 of the people are not going to play in the NBA. Oh, and that's exactly what that this is all based upon. And I wouldn't say that it's forgotten. I just would say that it was it developed differently and it needed you know two specific things to develop. And that is one, the cultural um, you know, thing that I mentioned earlier where, um, you know, first, you know, you have things for a couple of years boil up to where Fortnite suddenly is this massive phenomenon where everybody plays it, uh, boys and girls, all these ages, all these different demographics. Um, and the reason is because they really did a great job of promoting that, um, that, you know, Fortnite gaming is for everybody and just play with your friends. 
squat up? You know, where are we dropping? Like that, that was the, the whole idea of that experience. And that was a big cultural milestone for a lot of people um, that just say hey, gaming and nerd, nerdy gaming um, beyond just, hey, I'm going to play Madden with my guys um, is acceptable and okay and fun. Um, so that was one thing. But the second thing is the technological aspect. And that's just the idea that people can easily play together. Yeah. And my brother plays on PC a lot. My best friends play on PlayStation, but I have an Xbox. So if you don't have cross-platform play, we can't play together. And just for the other, the other night, my the first time, you know, hanging out in quarantine, I played online with one of my buddies, one of my best friends who also loves video games. We had never played online together before because he was on. We, we he was he likes to use PC and I like to use Xbox. He's one of my closest friends. I was the best man at his wedding. And why aren't we gaming together? Because cross-platform wasn't enabled uh, on certain games until more more recently. And we just got into that. So there's some technical technical things that it, you know just there's small barriers, but now that they're removed have caused a massive impact. So suddenly, you you know, you don't have to worry about just getting six people together for your League of Legends professional game um, on, on one team, on one console, and so on that. Now, 103 million people can easily get together on Fortnite, or Rocket League, or Call of Duty, because they're all cross-platform. So problems, it doesn't matter. Those small barriers aren't there, and culturally, it's a lot more acceptable. So I think it was forgotten in that it wasn't focused on, but I think there's a couple of natural things you just had to wait for. And now it's just the perfect time, the perfect storm between the cultural and technological aspects that say, hey, now let's use this as a social gathering tool. Let's play esports like we play beer league softball and spend time together. And especially when we can't spend time to, together physically, let's do so digitally. Yeah, I, l- listen, there, there's not a lot good coming out of a spread of a, of a virus like this, but the creativity and the outside the box thinking is one of them. And, and, and you guys clearly are at the forefront of it. It's very interesting. Austin Smith is the co-founder of Mission Control. Austin, thank you so much for joining us. All right, thank you. That will do it for us this week. As always, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. The Future Sport Podcast is brought to you by 3Advance, developers of sports tech apps that are AI-powered and UX-focused. So if you're looking to create some apps for your startup or your sports biz calls for some artificial or business intelligence, you should check out 3Advance. They're incredible. Go to 3Advance.com. That's the number 3Advance.com.